Welcome to the 3D world with OpenGL and Vulkan. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the OpenGL and Vulkan podcast. And uh, I guess I need to apologize for my long absence, but the private life and the business life were keeping me so busy that I hardly found the time to come up with some new stuff here. So um, today something happened that just pulled the trigger and told me, okay, I need to come back and... Uh, yeah, give you some more information about the OpenGL and 3D rendering in general. And this is that uh, Roger gave me a comment on the OpenGL to go.net page today, um, which somehow pulled the trigger for me because uh, he said that he's not really into 3D programming, but still he enjoyed listening to the podcast and just the general information. And that really just showed me um, that... Uh, people like to listen to this one here and like to listen to me which is somewhat surprising but anyway uh so i i just decided to come up again and come back with with more episodes of this one and come up with more um live workshops that we will do and i promised a live workshop on webgl still so this one will happen in the near future then as well so uh yeah let's just get back uh, to the 3d programming um, today it's first of all just a proof of life and um, my invitation to you to come up with topics that you want to hear about or topics that you'd like to see in a, uh, a workshop that we can put on YouTube then. And today I just want to give you a few smaller topics. Um, I'd like to talk about reflections, how to do in 3D programming and OpenGL. I'd like to talk about picking so selecting an object in your scene and then let's talk about some some smaller things that may happen to your shader when you compile them and maybe um, some general uh, topic the draw calls that you keep the number of draw calls very low and these are just some topics i'd like to cover today and let's just jump into it so reflections um you have all seen this in in 3d games and in 3d scenes in general and um, they're quite impressive. Uh, as soon as you realize that some metallic object is reflecting the environment, this always gives a very impressive impulse to the 3D scene. And um, it always seems quite complex to do a reflection, or at least if you have never worked on it, you may think it's a complex topic. But again, that's just a very simple trick. And um, reflections in general just work in the same way so let me describe it very very simplified but it's always like this so in uh, the previous uh, podcast we already talked about frame buffers and how you can store the information of the scene into a piece of memory so you can reuse it as a texture and that's just the approach that you will use as soon as you work with reflections so if you have an object inside your scene and this object is reflecting the environment one approach to put the reflection on the object is you put the camera at the position of the object and with a 180 degree angle you make an image from the right side of the object and the left side of the object. So everything which is located to the right and to the left of the object is then in these two images that you take by a 180 degree angle. So you just capture the environment in a texture, in a frame buffer and then in the second render pass you use this texture 
and put it onto the object and mix it with the color of the object and the light of the object. The light equation that you have for this object anyway. So as soon as you do this, um, and uh, this works best on rounded shaped spheres and um, it works best when you have a non-static environment but a moving environment, um, then it seems that the object is reflecting the environment. And the trick here is our brain is just not smart enough to evaluate if the reflection that you actually see on the object is really um, is real or is just something faked. Because it's just too complicated for our brain to evaluate this, especially if, if you're in a scene where stuff is moving around. So the fact that pieces of the environment are visible on an object just tells our brain, hey, this object is reflecting. Actually, there is no parameter in OpenGL where you say uh, this is a reflection value or where you say um, this object is metal or this object is chrome. No, it's just taking the environment and putting the environment onto the object and this will always tell our brains, yep, this is a reflection. If you would have a superfly, the superfly would be able to evaluate the reflection because it has so many eyes and would say, hey, come on, this reflection is not real, but as we are just tricking the human brain here, that's perfectly fine, it will work for us. So this is all you need to know um, about the simple reflection on an object. There's just one more way that you usually use when you um, do such a reflection, and that's you just use a cube texture, a cube map, to um, put up a cube around your 3D object. This cube is not visible. And just think of it that on the insides of this cube, you have six different images of the environment. And then you can use um, a 3D vector to project a ray from the surface of the object towards the inside of this cube. So this um, color values that are on the inside of the cube can be put on the object itself and this again just gives you another nice reflection effect. This is a cube uh, box reflection or cube reflection. There are many different names for this one as well. Anyway, the uh, the approach is always the same, uh, unless you're not doing ray casting. Is The approach always take a photo of the environment, put this photo onto the object, mix it with the colors of the object, and everybody will tell you, oh yes, this one is reflecting. Again, just a very simple trick. Another topic i just like to cover today is uh, the picking of objects inside your 3D scene. And there are also two ways I'd like to mention here. Um, Picking means you're moving your mouse over the 3D scene and you want to click onto an object and you want to select it somehow. So one very simple approach to do this, again, is involving the frame buffers. Um, let's describe it like this. At the moment you click the mouse, you give every object in the scene a unique color. And uh, you store this color, of course, somewhere in an array so you know which object is using which color. And you write the entire scene to a frame buffer, an off-screen frame buffer, which is not getting visible. Um, and you are not putting textures on the objects, but you just use the colors without any lightning, just giving a ball a red color, giving a, a quad a green color, and so on and so on. So every object in the scene has a slightly different color. And just remember, it's not only red, green, blue. 
There are so many shapes of red and blue and of course 50 shades of grey, but you just use any of um, the colors available and write them to a frame buffer. Very important here that you do not use lightning, uh, do not use textures, just the plain color itself. So once you've got this, uh, let's say, screenshot of your scene inside a frame buffer, you can use the mouse coordinates to go to a certain pixel inside this frame buffer and pick the color that you find there. And then now you go the entire way backwards. You take the color, you take a look at all your objects in your scene and you just measure which object in the scene had this color. So you know which object has been clicked in the first place. So once more, you draw the entire scene to an off-screen frame buffer but while you're drawing you just use a unique color for every object in your scene without lightning, without textures and once you've drawn it to the off-screen buffer you just use the mouse coordinates to pick the pixel from the buffer and decide by the color which object have been clicked. Just remember when you do so, when you pick the pixel from the buffer that the OpenGL coordinate system is starting at the lower left going to the upper right. I always do this mistake over and over again starting from the upper left so just keep this in mind. Another way to pick something from your scene or to, to find an object inside your scene is to somehow go from the so-called screen coordinates, so again the X and Y of the window to the 3D world coordinates in the OpenGL system. And this is a bit more tricky, but still a simple approach. You just um, convert the mouse X and Y coordinates to the normalized OpenGL coordinates. You may remember the normalized OpenGL coordinates always go from minus one to plus one and from uh, in any of the three directions. And what we need to do here is when you've got a window, let's say, which is um, 800 pixels wide and the mouse is located somewhere around the 400 uh, pixel X coordinate, then this is somewhere close to the zero point of the normalized OpenGL coordinate system. If it's going towards the X value of zero, it's getting closer to the minus one. If it's going towards the 800 pixels on the right side of the screen, it's going towards the X normalized coordinate of plus one. I guess you can remember this. So you need to uh, run a simple equation to calculate your window widths and your window heights against your mouse X and mouse Y position and normalize it to the range of minus one to plus one. So you already have the X and Y information of the screen. So now comes the more tricky part. You need to know the Z information, the depth coordinate. And um, this, is, this is easily achieved by using the read pixel function from OpenGL. Go to this X and Y coordinate in my screen and just grab the depth information of what I'm currently seeing on the screen. So this is grabbing the GL depth component and it's giving you really back just the value again between minus one and plus one telling you how deep the scene that you're currently watching is at this point below your mouse pointer. So with this re-information with the X and Y on the screen and the depth information 
you are ready to start a reverse calculation on where the mouse pointer is pointing at in your scene. And to achieve this, you need your perspective metrics, you need your camera metrics, and you want to multiply your perspective with your camera metrics, just like you do it usually. But what you do then, the resulting metrics will be inverted. So you invert the result of the perspective multiplied with the camera metrics to somehow get the reverse engineering of your 3D scene. Once you've got this inverted matrix, you just multiply it with a vector of 4. And in this vector of 4, you put the x and y coordinates that you just calculated from your mouse to the screen. And you put in the z uh, value that you get from the depth component using the gl read pixel function. And it's very important that it is a vector of 4 and that the force component is just 1. This is a w component and this is important for the equation. So you multiply the inverted perspective camera matrix with this vector of 4 holding the normalized OpenGL coordinates and what you get is the resulting vector of 4 again which is holding the information of um, yeah, the X and Y and Z inside your screen. But you need to take one more step. Um, this vector that you get needs to be divided by its force component, so the W component. So you divide the X component by the W, the Y by the W and the Z by the W to get really the real 3D information of the point in space. And if you do it like this, you get um, a pretty accurate information about the x, y and that where the mouse is pointing inside your scene. And now you can run a check on all the objects in your scene if they are located in this area. So this is a way more complex approach to select an item but sometimes um, it makes more sense depending on your scene to use this approach uh, over the color picking approach. But still both should lead you to the, to the same destination that you are able to pick an object inside your 3D scene and um, although they sound quite complex on the first strike, once they are implemented, it's less than 30 lines of code to get them work properly. Okay, one more point I'd like to mention today is um, some, some pitfalls that you may fall in when you're doing shaders. Always keep in mind that uh, when you're having shader variables and you're not using the shader variables, they may get um, optimized away. So as soon as your shader is compiled by your graphic card or the driver um, and it realizes, hey, here's a variable in the shader which has no effect on the final result of the GL position or the GL frag color, it may get optimized away. So later, if you try to access this variable, it may not be there and you may run into errors. That's a very nasty one because it may not happen on your machine, it may not happen on your graphic card, but once you deploy your application and give it to a friend, on his machine and on his graphic card this may happen. So just make always extra sure that you're really using the variables inside your shader and that they have effect on the final result. So even if you're using them in, in an equation and this equation has no effect on the final color, let's say, they may get optimized away. So just make extra sure that every variable in your shader really needs to be there and if it's not, if it does not need to be there, just um, put it away. And just one more topic I'd like to mention today is the number of draw calls. I'm not quite sure if I've mentioned this before, but
But um, the draw call, you may remember, whenever you have made all the settings for your OpenGL scene and you're ready to put the object onto the screen, you have this call to GL draw arrays, which is really then sending the data to the graphic card and drawing the object. And this is really the critical one. You should always keep the number of draw calls in your scene as low as possible, because even if the graphic card would be able to handle all the data, these draw calls over cause, uh, these draw calls always cause an overhead in the driver, and at some point the number of draw calls gets so critical that your scene will no, no longer run fluently. So even the graphic card is, is bored and could handle more information, just the number of draw calls may be critical. Okay, these are just a few points for today um, and should prove that I'm still alive and still here and here again is my invitation to you to come up to me with um, topics that you'd like to hear, topics that we should cover in the podcast or in the videos and uh, once more I need to say big thank you. Um, my major tutorial on YouTube has been watched over 50,000 times. I've got so many positive comments from you and um, I guess I'm even number one now when you Google OpenGL tutorial. I'm absolutely overwhelmed by this. I, I never expected this. And it just um, shows me that there is actually a need for something like this. And I'm very, very happy about it uh, that you people really enjoy what I'm doing there. And um, so it's up to you to come up with ideas and um, suggestions of what you'd like to hear about and what topics I should cover to get you more into this OpenGL and 3D programming topic. Uh, just another information for you as well. You may have heard that the European Union has come up with uh, quite some strange laws and restrictions for websites. So I will need to um, change a lot of stuff on my OpenGL2Go.net website and take out all the interactive functionality like comments and user registration because there are very, very strange laws coming up and um, there may be massive punishment if I don't. So don't be surprised if the page looks strange and you can't comment any longer. That's just because um, some strange laws and I don't want to get sued for something which I'm doing for free and pay a lot of money for something that I'm just doing for free. And that's really strange and uh, I will just take out some stuff there. So don't be surprised here. Okay, that's it from my side for today. Um, once more, thank you very much that you stayed tuned with me even with my absence of two years. and. Um, if you come up with suggestions to me, I will come up with more podcasts and hope to um, see you soon, hear from you soon, read from you and uh, stay tuned for just one of the next podcasts. Thank you.